Welcome to Recovery at Pal. My name is Kelly, and I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I breathe by God's grace. We believe that God allows us to call out to Him just as we are, and that we are worthy of the love and the help of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. No matter what's holding you down, such as grief and loss, addiction, codependency, sexual integrity, or your loved one who suffers from addiction, we are all recovering from something. We recover with Jesus, the 12 steps, and we recover together as a community. You can find our recovery page at palchurch.com. Click on the recovery link to find out more about us. Visit with us Thursdays for a free meal, worship, and small groups. In the meantime, please take a deep breath, invite Jesus to sit with you, and enjoy this message of hope that follows. My name is Kelly. I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I breathe by God's grace. Hi. My recovery story includes alcoholism, childhood trauma, and struggles with control. Anybody know about control issues in here? No, nobody. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, God's mercies are new over my life every single morning as I choose to call on the name of Jesus one day at a time. And I want to say welcome to you tonight. If you're new, if it's your first time, we're so glad you're here. If you come every single week, we're so glad you're here too. Welcome home. Woo! You're in a safe place. Amen? You're welcome. I always like saying that anytime I can. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, we are in the season of Advent here at Recovery at Powell. And if you're new tonight and you've not ever heard about Advent before, that's okay. You don't have to worry. Advent is a very beautiful thing and it's really easy to understand. Advent is a really fancy word for anticipating, for waiting, for expecting. Advent means that we're looking for and we're watching for a notable person or event. And as we worship for these four weeks before Christmas that we've been in, Advent means that we prepare our hearts for the arrival of Jesus, our Messiah, our King, our Lord. And during these four weeks here in this cold December, it's finally getting cold. We know it's coming. We make a special place in our hearts for devotions, for scripture readings, for quiet time in the Gospels so that we allow Jesus to dwell within our hearts. And as we look forward to Christmas, we understand that Jesus came to be with us fully. And we look forward to his promise that he will return. He's going to return to us for that anticipated arrival of his, sec- of his second coming. That is Advent. So Jesus came to be with us, our Savior, our Messiah, our King, the Christ child. God pursues us by his boundless grace, and he saves us from ourselves through Jesus. He makes a place for us to dwell with him forever, and with our Heavenly Father, we can be in eternity with him through Jesus. And as we call out to him, he transforms us one day at a time to serve him, to tell of him, so that others may be close to Jesus, our Messiah, too. So let's look um, for Advent. We want to make sure that when we think about that, we're opening our hearts to the arrival of our Lord. We're, we're welcoming him in. And at the same time, we're in a sermon series that's called Misfits. And you might uh, be saying to yourself, Misfits is a really strange name for a sermon series in the midst of how I just explained Advent to you, yes? So um, maybe it fits, maybe it doesn't, right? 
But for many of us, Christmas is it's not really a time that we look forward to, is it? If we're honest. Um, we stay focused on our recovery the best that we can, and we work our 12 steps. And as we do that, Christmas still arrives. And so it turns out that for many of us, Christmas is something that we just have to do. Christmas is an obligation for visiting folks that we don't necessarily want to see. Christmas causes us, right, to, to miss our loved ones that we have lost. We have a special place on our heart for who we are grieving for, um, whether we've lost them to something um, for passing away or we've lost a, a relationship. Christmas seems to be a time for spending money, and we don't necessarily have that money to spend. Christmas means we have to carve out time for all the celebrations when what we'd really like to do is just have that safe place and that quiet place just to be at home in front of the fire or turn up the heat a little bit, get a blanket, just be alone. Um, we want to be with our loved ones, but we don't necessarily want to be with our family of choice or a family of origin. We want to be with our family of choice. That part. Yes, for many of us, we do our best, don't we, to, to try to recover from alcohol and chemicals and our destructive behaviors and our loved one's addictions or any number of things that our loved one is addicted to that's in that place instead of God, in that God-shaped hole. We grieve our losses at Christmas. So a lot of times what Christmas really means to us at recovery is its demands and its pressure and its busyness. Yeah. Christmas means we wrestle with our need to isolate and we wrestle with our broken hearts. So for Advent, for our recovering hearts, we've been preaching out of this book by Reverend Greg Taylor, and it's called The Island of Misfit Toys. So now maybe we're in that place of Advent and misfits together, yes? Uh, many of us feel that way at Christmas, don't we? And, and we long for that safe place to fit in. And honestly, um, we can't wait until it's over, and we pretty much just wish Christmas away. So tonight, we're going to be looking at two very extraordinary, wonderfully highly favored individuals who were chosen by God, our Heavenly Father, to bring Jesus, the Christ child, into this broken world. And as we share in the scriptures tonight, you might just see how Mary and Joseph, well, they didn't really fit in. As a matter of fact, they didn't fit in at all. So let's look at our first scripture. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. It's chapter 1, and it's verses 26 through 35. We're going to be in the message translation. It's a contemporary translation uh, for this message for tonight. Hear these words of Luke 1, 26 through 35. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's Mary's cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to a Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married, to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph, and the virgin's name Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what uh, could be behind this greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great, be called son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. 
Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. We all pray with me. Sovereign Father, hallowed be thy name. Holy Father, we praise you that you would choose such unlikely and humble servants to bring Jesus, our Savior King, into this world, a vulnerable baby, the Christ. We offer you our gratitude for the lives of Mary and Joseph. Lord, we remain in awe of your ways. And like Mary, our hearts are overwhelmed. Father, we ask you to allow Jesus to sit with us once again in this place. We call upon your Holy Son, Emmanuel, God with us, to comfort us in our time of fear and uncertainty. Move us to a place of celebration for our Savior's birth, his arrival, his life, his cross, his death, his rising, and his faithful return. May we call upon him who is worthy as we wait upon our Savior. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I got a really important question for you. Who in this room is already tired of this song since Thanksgiving to now? A little bit of November, all of December. It's the most wonderful time <laughs> of the year. Why are you laughing? Oh, hands are raised. Excellent. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The, the kids are jingle belling, right? Everyone's telling you to be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories, and there'll be tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the hap happiest season <laughs> of all. The Christmas song that I just read to you, it's a song written in 1963 by Edward Pola and George Weil. And it was, it was recorded by a famous uh, a Christmas singer and performer by the name of Andy Williams. And the song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, has since been recorded over and over and over by many artists that you just might know. Johnny Mathis, Amy Grant, Peebo Bryson, Garth Brooks, Harry Connick Jr., and even Jennifer Lopez. Whoop, whoop, J-Lo up in here. And that's not even all of the times and all of the people that it's, that's, that's done the recording. The most wonderful time of the year uh, has been done to death. Yeah. And the song, it's really, it's a promise of a lovely Christmas season full of happiness, full of laughter, and I don't know about you, but when this song comes on the radio in my car, I roll my eyes and I turn the channel, right? Because honestly, I'm listening to this song, and it seems like it's got all these beautiful holiday promises, and it sounds really good, and it's warm, and it's fun, and I'm not really relating. So I wrote you all a version <laughs> of It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, my Christmas gift to you. 
I mean, in my younger days, I wrote a, I wrote a few poems, you know. All right, so it's the most wonderful time of the year. I've already read it to him. I have to get his approval on everything, but, you know, he's my, my eyes and my ears. He's already heard this, so. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. The kids are all yelling, and everyone's demanding that you come over here. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be parties for dodging. Marshmallows for tossing. And arguments out in the snow. There'll be long made up stories. No beverages for pouring. Uh, and I was ready to hit the road long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the crap crappiest season of the year. I mean, it's the hap happiest time of the year. You're welcome. Um, now, uh, that's the kind of Christmas song that I really fit into. Amen? And that's the kind of Christmas that we're all very familiar with, I think, at least uh, in recovery. So for me, I don't really fit into the way that Christmas is described in the original song uh, for the, virgin, the version of that song. I'm a misfit. And I'm willing to bet at Christmas time, as it approaches, that some of us in this room tonight, we're misfits too. In the time when God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary to announce that she would give birth to God's holy son, Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah. In Mary's eyes, it was not a very wonderful time of the year for this to occur. Mary was engaged to be married to a righteous man by the name of Joseph, and Mary was a virgin. Within Mary's society and under Roman rule, under King Herod, a vicious man, and under the laws of the unforgiving Pharisees, being pregnant outside of wedlock was completely forbidden. So much so that if a woman uh, was with child in those days and she was not married, she was considered a sinful harlot and she was stoned to death in front of an angry mob. No joke. That's what happened back in the time when Mary was pregnant with Jesus out of wedlock. So as the angel appeared to Mary to express God's favor upon her, Mary would have immediately been filled with fear for her own life, fear for her child's life, and fear for a potential breakup with her uh, betrothed, Joseph. To put it mildly, Mary's future had been changed forever. Mary would be forever a misfit for the rest of her life. There's no way out of that for Mary. But the scripture goes on to say that Mary's response to Gabriel is, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me, just as you say. Mary full of fear and yet beautiful inside and out. Stepping out in faith, she would birth the Christ child who would save the world. Jesus will be her son. He will also be her savior and he will be her Messiah. 
And she doesn't just step out in faith to give birth to the Holy Son. She will flee with him in her arms to keep him safe. And then she will walk with him for his entire life, all the way to his death, to his cross. And she would call his name Jesus. uh, Joseph, the scripture says, was a righteous man, and Joseph had chosen Mary, a virgin, to be his wife. And uh, little does Joseph know that soon Mary is going to turn up pregnant. And so there's, this is very bad news for Joseph in a lot of ways. And I just want to read you the story from the Gospel of Matthew. It's not going to be on the screen of how Joseph finds out about Mary, that Mary is carrying the Savior King, a vulnerable baby, in her belly. We're going to be in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, and it's verses 18 through 25. And I just want to invite you to put yourself in Joseph's place as he has this vision. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother, Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they enjoyed their wedding night, Joseph discovered she was pregnant. It was the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph, chagrined but noble, determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. While he was trying to figure that out and he was trying to figure out a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream, Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth. And when she does, you, Joseph, will call him Jesus. God saves because he will save his people from their sins. Watch for this. The virgin will get pregnant and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And then Joseph woke up. He did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary. But he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby, and the, na- and the baby was named Jesus. Joseph, a righteous man, has now married a pregnant woman. In the eyes of the Pharisees, Joseph is now an outcast too. He has become a misfit forever. The laws of the Pharisees have been irretrievably broken. Now, just like these days we live in, the gossip about Joseph and about Mary is spread like wildfire. And here are two misfits who've been supposedly chosen by God himself to bring the child into the world which King Herod rules. In the long-awaited Messiah, the one true king has been prophesied about for so long, he is arriving. Jesus is born, and King Herod's power is under a major and mighty threat. So King Herod, to protect his power and his rule over Jerusalem, within his own desire to remain in control of his mighty kingdom, he orders every little boy, two years old and younger, born in Bethlehem, to be slaughtered. Mary and Joseph's child, their beloved son, their savior and their salvation, he is being pursued to be murdered. And this is where our scripture picks up on the screen. We'll be in Matthew, and it's chapter 2, and it's verses 13 and 14. God's angel showed up again in Joseph's dream and commanded, Get up 
and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Stay until further notice. Herod is on the hunt for this child and wants to kill him. Joseph obeyed. He got up, took the child and his mother under cover of darkness. In the story of our Savior's birth, this is what Christmas really looks like as we study our scriptures tonight. It isn't glitter. It's not fancy Christmas packages wrapped perfectly. It's not extravagant meals, and it's not extravagant parties. We have a pregnant mother, unmarried, not to mention she claims to be a virgin. We have a man who's willing to give up everything to marry her and raise her fatherless child with her. There's a bad guy who inserts himself to make the ultimate power grab for his control. There's rejection, there's hiding, there's running, there's paralyzing fear, and there's a potential loss of a child. And in the midst of this story of recovery and redemption, and under the cover of darkness, Joseph and Mary, they don't fit in anywhere. But God says, Mary, you're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. And in all of their fear and everything they face to protect their baby, Mary is faithful and Joseph obeys and they call his name Jesus. The Christ child lives to save us all from ourselves. When our scripture says that the angel appeared to Mary and said, you have nothing to fear. I can only imagine Mary's confusion and disbelief, and still she leaned into her fears and she remained faithful. Joseph did the same. He leaned into his fears and he obeyed God's commands. For my recovery story, fear made all of my decisions for me. By the year of 2012, in my lifetime at, the, at that point thus far, I had been married, divorced, and married again. I'd lost both of my parents to lung cancer six months apart. I was afraid of people and I was afraid of uncomfortable situations. I had a fear of losing everything that I had worked so hard to obtain and I had a fear of not gaining everything I wanted. I had fear of losing control. And I was afraid to feel anything. And alcohol was my master. And it took me three more years to surrender to God to call out the name of my Savior King, Jesus. To lean into my fears, to work the 12 steps, and to become faithful and obedient. And I promise you I'm a work in progress. I'm never perfect. All of these years before my sobriety and for every year that God, or for every day that God has gifted me to be sober, in every moment as I remain hidden under the cover of darkness, and for every moment that I walked in the light of Jesus to heal me, God said to me over and over, you're beautiful with God's beauty. You're beautiful inside and out. God be with you. And I don't know what you're afraid of tonight. Only you know. And only your God knows. What I do know is this. It hurts when we can't be with the ones we love any longer. No matter how that comes to us, 
It can be death, diagnosis, divorce, breakup, losing everything. We've lost relationships, and some of us have lost children. And it hurts when we live somewhere that we really don't even want to be. The pain's real, and we must live with those circumstances of our actions. Whether that comes from addiction or it comes from our harms done, we are afraid when circumstances are completely out of our control. And we're afraid of the unknown as well. We're afraid to live in today and we fear the pain that comes with tomorrow. And even though we look into the mirror and we label ourselves as misfits within our suffering and within our wrestling and in our hiding under the cover of darkness, our scripture makes the promise that Jesus is with us. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He's there and he waits for us with open arms so that he may light every step that we take. Perhaps tonight we roll our eyes when we hear the song playing. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And we desperately want to change the channel because we don't believe those words. And we're sure that we don't fit in anywhere. But God has gifted to us the recovery story of two highly favored misfits, Joseph and Mary. They're so afraid of what lies ahead for them. And as they call out the name of Jesus, faith conquers their fear. And Jesus, our Savior, lived so that we might live too. God knows what we're afraid of tonight. And under the cover of darkness, we call out the name Jesus. And he says to us, my child, you have nothing to fear because you're beautiful with God's beauty. You're beautiful inside and out. God be with you. And oh my goodness, for the first time ever, we can believe it's the most wonderful night of the year. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, may this speak to us all. Amen. As you journey into your next moment or your next 24 hours of recovery, know that you are worthy, loved, and welcome at Recovery at Powell any Thursday night from 5.45 p.m. to 8.45 p.m. Check us out online at powellchurch.com and visit the recovery link for more information. Let's close with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is and not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever and the next. Amen.